What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Today's episode is with Zach Brown. Zach Brown is the CEO of McLaren Racing, where he runs their Formula One team, as well as their other racing teams, like IndyCar. We discuss what it takes to run a Formula One team, the qualities that all great drivers have, the growth of the sport, how he works with marketing partners, his biggest regrets, and more. I really enjoyed this conversation with Zach, and I think that you will too. So let's get right to it. All right, Zach, thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. Good to be here. It's a busy weekend, so I appreciate it. All right, let's start with your role. You're obviously the CEO of McLaren Racing. What does a normal day look like for you? They're all crazy. Yeah. That's one thing they have in common. They all start early and they all go late. You know, my role as CEO is to make sure that the business is running, that it's performing on and off track. I have, we have five teams, so I have five team bosses. Actually, one boss that covers two teams, so four, four bosses, and their responsibility is the, the pure performance of the racing team. And my job is to make sure they have what they need to be successful. So that's kind of my contribution to the... You think of them as like individual businesses, basically? Yeah, for sure. They're all, they have their own P&L. Then I get very involved in the commercial side of the business. That's kind of my forte, what yeah. I enjoy. So bringing in these wonderful sponsors that, that we have, working with the commercial team, making sure not only we bring them on board, but that we activate and, and help them bring the sponsorship to, to life. And then, of course, finance, managing, you know, board members. A lot and, of the stuff and, that people and, don't like. Yeah, I don't mind it because I got a great board. But yeah. Yeah, so different aspects of the business. And I would say every day is a bit different. It kind of depends what day of the week it is. So, you know, this weekend here in Miami is much more about performance and sponsor kind of meet and greets and introducing new people and media work. When I get kind of back at the office, that's when, I, you know, more with my... CFO, my head of people, talking about culture, finances, talking to the board, and it's a seven-day-a-week job. Yeah, it feels that way for sure. I've been a fan of Formula One for a long time. The sport has obviously changed over the last few, you know, five, six, seven, eight years a lot. How has it changed for you guys working with partners specifically, right, as a marketing vehicle for companies that you guys are working with? I think for us, and I think we might be a little bit on the unique side, and some of that will come from my background and, and passion once having a, a, an agency business after my racing career. And I think how it's changed is making sure sponsors that we're not just right sellers that go, you get 10 of these, we take a very vested interest and you might get 10 of these, but did they work? Are you using the most efficient way? Should you get eight of those next year and two of something else? So I think from our standpoint, how much we're embedded in sponsors activation is what has really changed versus kind of sitting back and just letting them do it. We feel we can really contribute to their success. It feels like you guys are trying to do things a little bit differently, right? I tweeted about it a while ago and everyone seemed to enjoy it. It was the digital signage on the car, right? Yep. And it was, everyone's like, oh, this is really cool. They could change this during the race. It could be a bunch of different things. Where do you think this is all headed, right? Is that is that something that we'll see relatively soon? Is that something partners are excited about? Just talk me through kind of the future. Yeah, so that that was done specifically with, with Google. So it yep. rotates between through Google brands. There are limitations on how big of digital branding you can do. So you couldn't do, for instance, the, the side pod. Are you sacrificing weight of the car or no? We or we were actually going to run it last year. Yeah. And uh, what we ended up running some last year, but we were going to debut it earlier, but all the cars were overweight. Yeah. And you'd be shocked how little it weighs, but when the engineers come across a weight disadvantage, it all matters. And so, good question, yes, but now that we're underweight, 
You could do it. We, we, that we do what we put ballast on the car, weight on the car to, to true it up. Now we can do it. But last year we actually delayed because of weight. Nice. OKX, who I'm here with this weekend, so thank you to that and shout out to them, is obviously a crypto company, right? And being in the sports business, we've all seen it over the last few years of kind of what's happened in the industry. It made this big noise. It came in. They were spending a lot of money. Things have obviously calmed down and some of the partnerships have changed over the last few years. How do you think about crypto companies specifically and OKX even more specifically? Yeah, so I think uh, it's very exciting. You know, the digital age is is here. There's no denying crypto, blockchain, these new technologies are are here to stay. I kind of liken it to, and we've got Jeff Bezos here this weekend. You know, when the internet came online, there was a, thousands and thousands of internet companies, and a lot of them didn't make it because it was such a new industry. But then a f- few biggies came out of it, like Amazon. Yeah. And so I kind of view crypto blockchain as there's this influx because it's new. Yeah. And I think a lot won't survive, and the strong will rise to the top. They'll be blue chip, and they'll be really healthy. And we did a lot of due diligence because it's a new sector to us, so it's exciting, but, you know, it's new to all of us. And uh, we had a few opportunities, and we made the right choice in going with OKX. They've been absolutely awesome, very transparent. We've got a good understanding of their, their business, so we're extremely comfortable. And as I look at some of the shakiness, if you'd like, you know, FTX was with Mercedes, Binance has their their challenges now. Obviously, they're the 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 Goliath in the space, but the OKX have been great to work with. And I think what we now you're need very to, in tune on this, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> that's much my job. Yeah, but, uh, but I enjoy it, and yeah. um, you know, I think we can help OKX tell the story because uh, there's people that you talk to, as you know, that are all in on crypto, and then there's people that are all out on crypto. Yep. I think there's a lot of lack of well, understanding. So, so that's what I was going to ask, right, is if you if you look at tweets, right, when you guys post about OKX, one of the things that comes up sometimes is fans get angry, right? There's going to be people that love it and people that hate it, and crypto, more than other industries, I would say, is kind of like there's a big divide there. Yeah. How do you guys work to, like, smooth that over with partners? Is it just, like, showcasing activations? Is it kind of terminology? Yeah, yeah I think it's being consistent, not kind of over-promising, playing the long game. Reality is every time we post something in today's social media world, I can tell you almost any category will we'll have someone that's a detractor. Um, so I think you just got to kind of stay true. Hyder, who we work with very closely at, at OKX, he, he's all about the fans, so they don't want to be seen pushing product. They want fans to come to them. Yep. So they want us to kind of expose what they're doing, tell the story, and let fans buy in as opposed to kind of pushing on them. And I think longevity is is the key to people getting getting comfortable. All right, everyone, a quick interruption from today's episode to talk about our sponsor, Hyperice. So Hyperace is one of the fastest growing companies in sports. You've probably seen their products by now, but they are the official recovery technology partner of the NBA, MLB, PGA Tour, and UFC. And a bunch of different athletes all around the world are using their stuff, like Patrick Mahomes, Erling Holland, people like that. Now, I'm super pumped about this partnership for one reason. I've been using Hyperice products for years. I use their massage gun and their heated back wrap several times each week. Anytime I have a tough workout or my back's hurting me a little bit, I throw it on and it is a game changer for my health and wellness. I think the coolest part for me personally is that I can use the same stuff that professional athletes are using. The same thing that Patrick Mahomes uses on the sideline to loosen up his muscles, I can use at home. The same thing Erlen Holland uses on his back to loosen it up before bed, I can use at home. I think that's absolutely incredible and I highly recommend their stuff. 
So the best part is they are giving all of you, my podcast listeners, 15% off your order. So start recovering like a professional athlete today. Go to hyperice.com and use code Joe15 for 15% off your order. That's Joe, J-O-E, 15, all caps at hyperice.com. 15% off your order. Let's get back to today's episode. Partners obviously provide capital, right? They provide sponsorship money and stuff like that. And, and that helps you guys as a team and grows the team. Is there anything else you think partners are doing specifically that is helpful to you guys when you're expanding your brand or anything oh, like that? A, a, a tremendous amount. Yeah. So we have both B2B brands and consumer brands. The B2B brands, which tend to be technology driven, the Dells, the Cisco's, yep. the Aero Electronics, they're embedded in our racing team to help us maximize the technology that they have. And what I found with tech companies specifically, our partners is they love a technical challenge. So we can go to a Google and go, we're trying to solve this problem. Can you help us solve the problem? So that's something on the B2B tech side that really helps us go faster, run more efficiently, add performance. On the consumer side, you get into the Jack Daniels, the OKX, the Coca-Cola's, they have tens of millions, hundreds of millions, billions of fans around the world. And so they help bring our brand to their fans. And then together we can win each other's fans over. We can deliver more fans to them. They can deliver more fans to us. And then their activation is awesome. So when we see, you know, our livery in an airport, you know, we've had television campaigns around us, airport campaigns around us. That's great exposure, not only for us, also great exposure, what we call the advertiser multiplier yep. effect that, you know, Dell Technologies will run a global airport campaign and Heathrow and JFK, but the show in the car, which has Goldman Sachs and Dell and Cisco and Coca-Cola, so they all get that kind of advertising benefit. So it all kind of feeds the ecosystem. How do you think your experience as a former driver, and obviously I think you have a huge car collection and stuff like that, right? It's You're obviously a car fan, a motorsports fan. How do you think that helps you as team principal? I, I'd like to think I have a good understanding of all aspects. What's required for each person to be successful? Yeah, so as, as a driver, if I look at the kind of similarities of being a CEO, as a driver, you need to be a good communicator. Yep. You need to know when to take orders and when to give orders, yeah. right? Right. Engineers telling you to do something you need to trust. Yeah. At the same time, if you know what you need, you need to be able to communicate. So you need to be able to give orders and take orders, trust, good communication. You need to know when to go for the gap. You need to know risk versus reward. You need to know teamwork. You need to never give up. If How, this is a lot of things, right? So, but, but those are all, you could kind of, everything I just described there, you could go, oh, that's what a race car driver has to do, but that's also what a CEO yeah. has to do. So from that standpoint, I think that kind of instinct on how you run, and then more specifically, it's a high adrenaline, very emotional environment to time motor racing. So knowing kind of when and where and how, when's the right time, driver's just taking his helmet off. Now, you know, unless you have to say something to them, then are they the right frame of mind? Because they're... Uh, highly strung animals and yeah. I mean that in a, in a good way and so there's a, a time and a, a way to approach them so it's kind of garage mannerisms if you'd like I think those are all things I learned from driving that helped me in business and running a Formula One too how quickly can you tell if a driver has it one weekend one weekend one weekend Just seeing them in the car and interacting yeah. with them one weekend yeah and what separates, I mean, you listed a bunch of stuff, obviously, right? But there's good drivers and there's great drivers. Yeah. Is there anything specific that separates those? Yes. They're all 
pretty much great drivers. There's some that are a little bit greater, but really what separates them is their focus, their technical skills, their communications, their drive, their work Same ethic. stuff, just a little bit better. Correct. But it's kind of like, you know, a great golfer, but like rarely is it just natural talent because they all have it at that level. It's who's got that work ethic, you know, those Michael Jordan stories, the uh, how does Tom Brady go as long as he did? Obviously an unbelievable talent, but his work ethic off the field is what made well, him a world champion guys, for so Lando, long. Lando, Max, whoever, they're, you know, they go after the race and they're driving at home. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. it's the same kind of thing, right? You can tell that they love it, obviously. In, in the United States specifically, the sport has changed a lot over the last few years. There was a point in time where there were zero races, and now there's going to be three with Miami, Austin, and Las Vegas. How has that been for you guys? Is this? Uh, it's awesome. So, yeah. so we've got, obviously, Austin's been around about 10 years. Yep. Record attendance last race. That race was going from strength to strength. Miami was the most popular Grand Prix ever I've been to last year. Looks pretty much the same year as far as caliber of, of individuals and size of the audience. And then we haven't even had Vegas yet, which I think will be the biggest sporting event in the world. This year, I can't think of what would be. Well, Formula One's bigger. really the only global sport. Only right? global sport. It's you know, each race is kind of bigger than the Super Bowl. Yep. On a global basis, really the only thing that's bigger is kind of when you get into World Cup or Olympics, which is in an annual event. And then we have a new television contract with ESPN, and you've got Netflix as strong as ever. So some people have said to me, oh, "When's the bubble going to burst?" And I'm like, "I think we're actually still filling up the yeah. blue, and it's far from Berkeley. Yeah. I mean, had Las Vegas yet, yeah. so we've only had." Second Miami now. Yeah. And TV contract just got started. So I, I think we're in the early days yeah. of Formula One growth in America, which is very exciting. One of the most interesting things from my seat is if you look across all the other sports leagues, and I'm sure you know about this, is everyone's average age is rising, right? NFL, MLB, PJ Tour, whatever it is, they're all rising. Formula One's going the opposite way. And a lot of that is credited with Drive to Survive and kind of the things you guys are doing on the content side. What is your general opinion to kind of around how Formula One is using content now as a vehicle to market to the masses? I, I think that's one of Formula One's greatest strengths versus other sports. And of course, I'm biased, but I love other well, sports. Well, copying it now, right? Well, we've got so much content yeah. that I think other sports don't have in the same way. What do I mean by that? There's obviously the, the field of play, and that's... Whether you're a Formula One fan or a football fan or a baseball, that's kind of the same. Yeah. What you don't have in those other sports that you have here is what goes on, like the preparation to go racing, the big business, the politics. So I think what Netflix has done, people haven't fallen in love with the sport via Netflix because of necessarily the on track. They've fallen in love with the characters, the big business, the politics, the drama. Yeah. And I think that, so you come back to content, it's like depending on what, get you excited about Formula One, there'll be people here that like the racing drivers. There'll be people here that like the cars. There'll be people that like the gladiatorial element. There'll be people that like the technology. Yeah, They'll like the people that just want to be seen because this is a place to be seen. So it's got all this different content that we can push out to fans. And I think now that, and I'd like to think we lead the, lead the way, we're certainly trying to, in engagement with fans. Now, you know, through traditional TV, it was always pushing out your message kind of have to do some research, see how you're doing. Fans tell you, good or bad, exactly how you're doing pretty instantaneously. And we listen to them and we talk to them and then we adapt. So we went back to our papaya colors, which we hadn't had since the 70s, because that's what the fans were telling us 
They weren't. So someone once said to me, well, you only painted the cars papaya because that's what the fans want. And I was like, is that a trick question? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. How does a, uh, a weekend work with Netflix? This is a personal question. I'm just curious. Yeah, no, they're, they're really good. They've been very trustworthy because to, to do the show right, you got to kind of let them in. And we've not had any breach of, of confidentiality. Yeah. It's the same crew, so you get to know them. And they know, they know how to be around you and keep their distance, whether it's a big boom mic or you're mic'd up, which sometimes you forget you're mic'd up. And they blend into each team. They get into to team uniform. And I got to say, they've done a first-class job. Yeah. I got two more questions. Fire away. What's the craziest thing that a sponsor's ever asked you to do? <laughs> What's the craziest thing? Well, it's not that crazy because it's been done. Driving a you know, Formula One car through the streets. They have had one explore, and it's not been done. A Formula One car can drive upside down at 150 is that miles a fa- is an that hour. True? Yeah, that's true. It's actually true. So you've had, but no one's tested it. No one's tested it. But the data would say you can stick the thing. Yeah, and the downforce is so much that it's... correct. So uh, we've had sponsors talk about that in the past. That would probably be the craziest stunt. The fact that Red Bull hasn't done that yet tells me there's probably a reason why no one's trying because it would be their type of thing to do. I, I lied. I have one more off of that. Fire away. How does Red Bull ensure these events? Do you know? Uh, they got a lot of cash. <laughs> that that seems like uh, someone's going to get hurt. Yeah. Last question. Biggest regret as team principal? Anything that you could take back or anything you've done wrong? Probably not moving fast enough when I feel like I've wanted to make a change in the early days. You know, when I came in, I came in at the end of 16, which is our worst year in the history of the team. Yep. I kind of knew there were, well, there was clearly problems. That's what on track was, was telling us. And, um, the decisions I made, I think I could have made three months sooner, but I was so new to the team, such an established team. So if I could do it again, the decisions I landed on, I could have probably pulled the trigger three months earlier on. Amazing. You are uh, leading the way, my friend. I, uh, thank I think you. you're doing a great job. Formula One's obviously growing and McLaren is at the top of that. So thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you.